Let us turn in the Holy Scriptures to Luke chapter 11. Here we find Luke's account of the Lord's giving of the model prayer, as well as important instruction concerning prayer. So we read Luke 11 verses 1 through 13 as the scriptural foundation for the instruction of Lord's Day 45 in the Catechism. This is the Word of God, Luke 11, verse 1. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive every one that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, Lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine in his journey is come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, Yet, because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he, for a fish, give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Thus far we read the Holy Scriptures. We come to Lord's Day 45 in the Catechism. This morning we are going to consider just the first question and answer, 116. Question 116 asks, why is prayer necessary for Christians? Because it is the chief part of thankfulness, which God requires of us. And also because God will give his grace and Holy Spirit to those only who with sincere desires continually ask them of him and are thankful for them. We begin the last subsection of the third section of the Heidelberg Catechism, which you can see on the top of the page in the Psalter, of prayer. Thus we begin an exalted topic. 
prayer, which is the highest expression of the Christian's God-given spiritual life. Many have attempted to capture what prayer is. Prayer is the breath of spiritual life. Prayer is the engagement of the whole soul with the eternal God. Prayer is the offering up of the desires of our hearts to Almighty God. Prayer is the highest expression of what lives in the believer's heart by grace. Prayer is the holy art of the Christian life. Truly, prayer is all these things and more. It is the heart of the Christian's life of thankfulness. As such, it is a very fitting end, not only to the third section of the Catechism, but a fitting end to the entire Catechism. It is fitting because it shows us how far God's grace in Jesus Christ takes us. You remember where the Catechism begins after its beautiful introductory Lord's Day on our only comfort. It begins... Lord's Day 2, in the depths, in the depths of your sin and misery and my sin and misery and shows us the utter hopelessness of our human condition apart from God's sovereign grace. We began in the depths. But now look where the catechism ends. The heights. The mountain peak of the Christian life, which is prayer, walking in sweet communion with God, talking with God as our Father. How is that possible? That you and I, sinners, who by our sins have alienated ourselves from God and made ourselves deserving of His eternal condemnation, how can it be that you and I are brought up to this height? And the answer is everything that's in the middle of the catechism God's grace in Jesus Christ. Sovereign, saving grace in Jesus Christ. Of prayer. The heart of Christian gratitude. That's how far grace takes us. And that's why this is a very interesting subject and one we're eager to dive into once again. The subject of Christian prayer. With the The prayer of the disciples in our hearts and upon our lips as well. Lord, teach us to pray because we want to thank Thee and bless Thee. For Thou art good and Thy mercy is from everlasting to everlasting. As we go through the Lord's Prayer once again, in this cycle through the Heidelberg Catechism, we're going to have a broad theme. And that theme is praying confidently in the last days. We're living in the last days, the dusk, as it were, of the New Testament age. Jesus taught the Lord's Prayer to His disciples at the dawn of the New Testament age. And yet that prayer is preserved in the Holy Scriptures for us because it is instructive all the way to our day as we live in the dusk of the New Testament age. And as we live in these last days, it must be impressed upon us the great importance and necessity of prayer. Think about the main things that the Bible calls the child of God to do in the last days. And you think, watch and pray. Watch and pray. The last days 
will be like the days and are like the days of Noah and Lot when there is thorough earthly mindedness looking down and prayer lifts our eyes up from the earth to heaven from which comes our Redeemer. Prayer is so important in these last days. Prayer in a day when there is so much foreboding and frightening things that take place. We must hear again the call to walk with God in prayer. To cast our cares upon the Lord who cares for us. And so we're going to have that theme. Praying confidently in the last days as we go through the petitions of the Lord's Prayer. And that's going to focus our application. We're going to focus our application especially on our present life situation in these last days. That we might ask, Lord, teach us to pray today, in these last days. That we might walk with Thee in prayer and find in Thee all that we need to be faithful in these dark last days. So today we're going to have an introduction to prayer. We're going to look at question and answer 116. We're going to look at what prayer is and why prayer is necessary for the Christian. So let's enter into that question and answer. We take as our theme the necessity of prayer for the Christian. We're going to notice three things. Three ways in which prayer is necessary. First, we're going to look at the nature of prayer itself and the necessity that arises therefrom. Secondly, we will look at the chief part of thankfulness. That's what prayer is. That's why it's necessary. And then finally, that prayer is God's will for his children. The catechism takes for granted that you and I know what prayer is. And the catechism may do that because prayer, as we have said, is the heart of the Christian life. We know what prayer is. To be a Christian is to be one who prays. Just as a living human being understands breathing, even if breathing isn't defined for him. He breathes every day. He knows about breathing. So it is with prayer. And yet, nonetheless, there is value in Focusing our attention on that one word in question 116. Prayer. What is prayer? Clear understanding demands a clear definition. And so let's start there with a definition of prayer that helps us have in mind what we know from experience. What prayer is. Prayer is the believing child of God calling upon the one true God as his or her Father in the name of Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what prayer is. Again, prayer is the believing child of God calling upon the one true God as his or her heavenly Father in the name of Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit. There's four main elements that I call your attention to. The first being that prayer is calling upon the one true God. That's how scripture so often refers to prayer. Genesis 12 verse 8. After God has called Abraham. Then Abram. Called Abram from his father's house. And Abram journeys south. And he makes he sets up his tent near Bethel. And he builds an altar. And at that altar He called upon the name of the Lord. That's prayer. Psalm 116 verse 13. I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. Romans 10 verse 13. 
For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's prayer. It's calling upon God. It's speaking to God. And that brings out a very important truth right away. The God to whom we pray is a personal God. He's not merely a power. He is not a force. He is not a thing. He is a personal God. He is the Holy Trinity. One God, yet there are three distinct divine persons who are that one God, who equally share the one divine essence, and that is the God to whom we speak in prayer. We address the Holy Trinity who is a personal God, who is there and who can hear. He is not like the idol gods of heathen lands. Though they have ears, they cannot hear. Our God hears prayer. We speak to Him. And it is a beautiful speech that we speak to Him. It is speaking our hearts to God in petition for the needs that we have. That's what Jesus teaches us in Luke 11 verse 9 when He says, Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock. And it shall be opened unto you. Those three words, ask, seek, knock, all refer to prayer. That's what prayer is. It's going to God. It's asking of God. It's seeking from God that which we need. It's knocking at the door of heaven. Not hoping that maybe He'll open, but knowing confidently that for Jesus Christ's sake, God hears our prayer and will give us what we need. That's prayer. Prayer is lifting our hearts to God, pouring out our hearts to God, seeking His face, crying out to Him for help, praising Him, thanking Him, extolling Him. In the words of Psalm 42 verse 1, prayer is this, As the heart panteth after water brooks, so panteth my soul after Thee, O God. Prayer has that fervency and earnestness. It is the child of God going to God who is the overflowing fountain of all good, seeking from God all good, all that He stands in need of. Prayer is calling upon God with fervency of desire. Now in the second place, that prayer, that calling upon God's name, arises from a believing heart. The one who prays, The only one who prays is the regenerated, believing child of God. The unbeliever cannot pray. He does not know God. He does not love God. He does not trust God. By nature, man hates God. And the God-hater will not pray to God. The only one who can pray is the Christian. The genuine Christian. The one who's been spiritually reborn by the operation of the Spirit in his heart. The one who has been adopted through the blood of Jesus Christ shed for him. The Christian prays. The believing child of God prays. And prays in this way. To the one true and living God who by faith he knows is Father. Is Father. You can think about prayer this way. Prayer is simply faith talking. Faith is a certain knowledge of God and an assured confidence in the promises of God. But faith talks. And faith talking is prayer. Faith is the expression of our childlike trust in God for all that we need for body and soul. And we'll get into that in greater detail when we get to Lord's Day 46 in the address of the Lord's Prayer, our Father. But let us see that in the definition of prayer, this is what prayer is. It is the child of God in faith calling out to his or her Father. 
In the third place, prayer is calling upon the name of God in the name of Jesus Christ. And that's essential. Because we're children of God not by nature. We're children of God by grace. Our sonship, our daughterhood is based upon the atonement of Christ. Jesus Christ is the way to the Father and there is no way but Him. And thus, when we come to God in prayer, it is through Jesus Christ. It is on the basis of what Jesus Christ has done for us upon the cross. Christ gives us the right to pray. Without the cross, we cannot pray. We would have no right to address God as our Father. That is an important point for us to see. Prayer is not a mere duty. Prayer is a privilege. It is a privilege of sonship, of daughterhood. We have the privilege of praying because we are redeemed children of God. And thus we pray in Christ's name. He is the mediator. He is the intercessor. He is the one through whom we come to God. He is the one that stands between us and God as that one mediator between God and men. He is the one who receives our imperfect prayers that are tainted with our sin. And He purifies them and presents them in an acceptable form to God the Father. He is our intercessor. And here's where the confidence of prayer is rooted. It's rooted in Christ. You cannot pray confidently. Apart from Christ. But we can pray in full assurance of faith. Without fear. Because of what Christ has done for us. The Christian. In going to God in prayer. Is not like. The Baal prophets on Mount Carmel. Who set up their altar. And fanatically danced around that altar. Screaming at the heavens. Cutting their flesh with their knives. In the vain hope that they could gain the unhearing ear of Baal. That's not the Christian. The Christian can pray here, there, anywhere, at any time. In full assurance of faith and confidence. Because of what Christ has done. In Jesus' name we pray. And so an application for parents. Here's something to teach our children. That in Jesus' name or for Jesus' sake is not just the end of the prayer. That's what makes the whole prayer possible. You can't say anything before that unless you say that. For Jesus' sake. For Jesus' sake. He gives us the right to pray. Fourth and finally, prayer is calling upon the name of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see that the whole Trinity is involved in prayer. We pray to the triune God. We address our Father through Jesus Christ by the power of the Spirit of Christ who indwells us. This answers the question, where does prayer come from? Prayer has to come from somewhere. We pray. We actively, consciously pray. But prayer is not of us. That is, prayer does not have its source, its origin in us. Prayer is of the Holy Spirit. The ultimate origin of prayer is the Holy Spirit who dwells in the child of God. And that's true of the whole Christian life. The whole Christian life is the fruit of the Spirit's operation in us. The Spirit gives us life. The Spirit kindles faith. And the Spirit gives faith its words to speak to Father. 
The Holy Spirit is the author of prayer because the Holy Spirit is the author of faith. And prayer is simply faith talking. Romans 8 shows us this. Look at a couple verses in Romans 8. First, verses 14 and 15. In Romans 8, 14 and 15 we read, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And the last part of that verse is important. How do you cry, Abba, Father? How do you say, Our Father which art in heaven, where does that prayer come from? It comes from the spirit of adoption. The spirit that gave you life. The spirit that caused you to be reborn into the covenant family of God. It is that spirit who works in you that you pray consciously, willingly, with your whole being, Abba, Father. You read on in the same chapter in verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So many beautiful things in that verse, but let us see again the role of the Spirit. Even when we can't find the words to pray, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with unutterable groanings. Prayer is a fruit of the operation of the indwelling Spirit of Christ. That's prayer. What a wonder prayer is. Calling upon God's name as His believing child. Addressing Him as Father. Confidently and in full assurance of faith. In the name of Jesus Christ. And by the powerful work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. To wrap up. The first point's brief explanation of what prayer is. Let's note one more thing. Given the definition of prayer that we've just looked at, let's see that prayer is intimately connected to God's covenant of grace. Prayer is a profoundly covenantal activity. And that's how we must view prayer. You can think about it this way. Prayer is what goes on in the covenant. Prayer is part of the life of the covenant. Prayer is fellowship with God. It demands a right understanding of the covenant, of course. The covenant is not a legal contract. It's not an agreement between two parties hashing out a bargain with each other. The covenant, according to scriptures, is God's relationship of friendship and fellowship which He establishes with His people sovereignly, unconditionally, unilaterally through the work of Jesus Christ. It's a relationship. God sovereignly brings His elect people into that relationship. He gives them a place Through the work of Jesus Christ. And by His indwelling Spirit, He causes them to live in that relationship. And that's where prayer fits. Prayer is part of the life within the covenant. Prayer isn't how we get in the covenant. Prayer isn't what keeps the covenant there. No, prayer is life within the covenant of grace. It's faith talking. It's the child of God walking with His Father, talking with His Father, conversing with His Father. It's a relational idea. 
in any relationship, you talk. If you don't talk, you don't have much of a relationship. You grow distant, you grow apart, and before long you forget about each other. Relationships, how do you live in them? You live in them by talking, spending time, opening up your hearts to one another, disclosing your thoughts, your fears, all of the rest. That's prayer. It's the pouring out of one's heart to God, one's Father, in the assurance that He hears And receives that prayer through Jesus Christ. It is a profoundly covenantal activity. And thus we see. Prayer is a gift of grace. Jesus Christ has earned for us by his work on the cross. The privilege. Of living a life of prayer. Prayer is the unique. Highest expression. Of covenant life with God on this side of glory. I say on this side of glory, because in heaven, and ultimately in the new creation, it will be different. God will make his tabernacle with men. We will see God in the face of Jesus Christ. We will speak with God through Jesus Christ. We will walk with God in a way we do not in this life. As we sang in the versification of Psalm 42, Psalter 416, prayer transcends distance. In prayer we seek the God of our existence. That's the highest expression of spiritual life here below. But in heaven it will be all better. Far, far better. There will be no distance to transcend. The God of our existence will have His tabernacle with men. So prayer, it's the closest thing to heaven in this life. But it's just a foretaste. A sweet foretaste that leaves us yearning for the fullness. Worship comes in here too. Corporate worship, such as we are engaging in right now in this church service. This is a service of prayer. And when Lord's Day 45 speaks about prayer, it's not just talking about our personal prayers, our private prayers, even our family prayers, but it's also talking about the public and corporate prayers of the church. Worship. This worship service is fellowship with God. God speaks to us through His Word, and we, His people, respond with prayer, with song, with praise. That's life in the covenant. This is what goes on in the covenant. That dynamic is important. The dynamic we see in worship is the dynamic that you find in all of prayer. God speaks first. God comes to us in His Word. He addresses us as His children, as those He has redeemed from the house of bondage through the work of Jesus Christ. He speaks to us, and by His Spirit, He breathes His Word into us. And by the indwelling Spirit, we respond by breathing back to God our prayers, our petitions, our thanks. As Psalm 42 verse 1 says, As the heart panteth after water brooks, so panteth my soul after Thee, O God. That's the nature of prayer. And now you you see why we start here. It's good to have a refresher on what prayer is, even though we do know from experience as a praying people. But this 
definition of prayer fits very well under the theme, the necessity of prayer. When you see what prayer is, it's obvious, is it not, why prayer is necessary? Prayer is faith talking. Prayer is walking with God in fellowship and talking with Him. Of course that's necessary. That's what we're saved unto. That's what the work of Christ aims at. Fellowship. To know what prayer is, is to answer the question, why it's necessary. But now we get to the language of the catechism itself. We've put that word prayer under a microscope. Zoomed in on it. Looked at its different elements so that we might appreciate the wonder of this gift of God. But now we zoom back out and we look at the necessity of prayer as it is explained in question and answer 116. And question and answer 116 lays out for us two crucial reasons why prayer is necessary. More specific reasons. We've looked at the general one. Because of what prayer is, it's necessary. It's walking and talking with God. But now in the second point, we're going to take up the first specific reason in answer 116. Prayer is necessary because it is the chief part of thankfulness which God requires of us. You can say it's necessary for God's glory. Now understand what I mean by that. When I say it's necessary for God's glory, I'm not saying Our prayers add something to God. That God is like an empty vessel and He's not going to be full of glory unless we fill Him up with our prayers. Of course not. God is the self-sufficient one. He is the eternal I am that I am. He is supremely glorious in Himself. It is impossible to add anything to the splendor of His divine being. He is the overflowing fountain of all good. You can't fill up an overflowing fountain. It's already full. But when I say prayer is necessary for the glory of God, what I mean is this. God has ordained prayer as the way He's pleased to glorify Himself. Prayer is necessary for the Christian because God's will is that we show Him our thanks in prayer. God is pleased to have His name honored through our prayers. Our prayers don't add anything to Him. Nonetheless, it is His will That we honor Him with our prayers. And so, it is necessary. As the chief part of thankfulness that God requires of us. So let's look at that a little more closely. The Catechism, as a creed of the Reformed Church, does nothing but summarize the teaching of Scripture. When the Catechism says prayer is the chief part of thankfulness, it's summarizing what the Bible teaches. The Bible makes very clear the connection between prayer and thanksgiving. In fact, when you read the Bible, prayer and thanksgiving almost become interchangeable. And that makes an important point. Prayer, in and of itself, is thanksgiving. Even those prayers that are petitions, they might not, in their form, be the offering of thanksgiving. Give us this day our daily bread. That's still thankfulness, because prayer in its very essence, is an expression of our dependence upon God, an expression of that dependence in confidence that God will give us what we need for Jesus' sake. There's thankfulness built into the very idea of prayer. And so prayer itself is the chief part of thankfulness. 
few passages in the New Testament to illustrate this. We go to the epistles, beginning with Philippians 4, verse 6. We'll look at Philippians 4, verse 6, and then go to Colossians 4, verse 2, and then end with 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 and 18. First in Philippians, Paul says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. With thanksgiving, all prayer should have thanksgiving. Now, that means we should not neglect specific expressions of thanks in our prayers. We need to be careful that our prayers are not purely petitions, though our petitions do, in a more general way, express our thankfulness to God. We are to specifically say thanks to God for specific benefits and gifts of His. Nonetheless, this passage makes clear that prayer, prayer is thanksgiving. Colossians 4 verse 2, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Prayer and thanksgiving, you can't separate them. Finally, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 and 18. And now here I want to especially highlight the connection between verses 17 and 18. These two verses are next to each other for a reason. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Pray all the time. And in all things and at all times give thanks. Praying is thanksgiving. And our prayers ought to express specific thankfulness. For specific gifts of God. The scriptures put prayer and thanksgiving together. And that's part of the biblical foundation then for the statement of the catechism that prayer is the chief part of thankfulness. Of all the things in Scripture, you find prayer and thanksgiving most often put right together. So what is thankfulness? What does it mean to be thankful? You have to take up that question. If prayer is the chief part of thankfulness, what is thankfulness? It's another one of those things that we know what it is from experience. Even if we can't give it a formal definition with our minds, we know what it is. But it is helpful to give it a definition. So thankfulness can be defined this way. Thankfulness is joyfully acknowledging that God is good. And adoring Him for His goodness to us in all His benefits. Joyfully acknowledging God is good and adoring Adoring Him for His goodness to us in all His benefits. Our call to worship shows us that. Psalm 100, the last couple verses. Verses which reverberate with joy. Verses which are the acknowledgement of God's goodness to me. Verses which are thanksgiving. Psalm 100, verses 4 and 5. There's the chief part of Christian thankfulness. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving, and into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him, and bless His name. Notice, coming to God in worship, praising Him, is the same thing as giving Him thanks. Thanking Him is the same thing as blessing His name. It's acknowledging His goodness, 
and adoring Him for that goodness. Verse 5, For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endureth to all generations. There's the reason to give thanks. We joyfully acknowledge that God is so good. And that He's not just good in the abstract. He's not just good to other people, but He's good to me. And I taste that goodness in all of His benefits towards me. Psalm 68 verse 19, Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits. That's thankfulness. So we see, the catechism is not stretching things when it says prayer is not just thankfulness, not just a way that we express thankfulness, but prayer is the chief part of thankfulness. It's the main and highest way that we express our gratitude to God for all of His benefits. That's not meant to minimize obedience to the Ten Commandments. We just got done considering the Ten Commandments. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Obedience to God's law is how we show thankfulness to God. And that's absolutely important. What the Catechism says here doesn't minimize that. But what the Catechism is showing us is that thankfulness rises yet higher than obedience. It rises to the mountain peak of prayer. Of the soul communing with God and extolling Him for His goodness. Prayer is that holy art of the Christian, the engagement of the entire soul with the eternal God. The Christian who prays from the heart is wrapped up in the glory of God. He pours out his heart in praise and thanks. And that's the mountain peak of Christian gratitude. It doesn't minimize obedience. Prayer and obedience go together. You can't have one without the other. Obedience to the Ten Commandments without prayer is dead formalism. But prayer without obedience is lip service. You have to have both. They go together. But the Catechism is making the biblical point. The mountain peak of Christian gratitude. The height to which the grace of Christ brings us in this life is prayer. Faith talking, walking, and talking with God. And that prayer glorifies God. And that's ultimately why prayer is necessary. It glorifies God. And that makes sense. That's why he commands us to pray. God is our Father who has made us his children through the work of Jesus Christ. And as the perfect Father, he wants to talk with his children. He speaks to us in the most wonderful way, disclosing the heart of his covenant love in the scriptures. This is the word of God to us. He speaks to us and he wants to hear from us. God is a relational God. And isn't that a wonder of the covenant? Because God is so great. He is so much higher than us. He is infinite. We are finite. There is that gigantic chasm of being between us. And yet this God so loved us that He sent His only begotten Son into our flesh to be our Emmanuel, the mediator between God and men. 
Jesus Christ became man. He came down to us so that he might lift us up to God. He came down and died for us so that we might have the privileges of adopted sons and daughters. One of which is the privilege of prayer. Talking to our Father. And our Father loves to hear from the children He loves. He's glorified. He's honored. He delights in the prayers of His people that rise to Him as the sweet incense of evening sacrifice, which is sweet to Him because of the sacrifice of Christ that sanctifies the prayers of God's people. Prayer is the chief part of thankfulness. So a couple of applications. Do we see prayer the way the catechism explains it? Prayer is tough. Because we are earthly creatures. We are of the earth earthy. Our eyes and our hearts and our affections so quickly get glued to the ground. And more than that, we're sinners who are prone to seek self rather than God. To want to use our time, our energy, our resources, all that we have for me rather than seeking the face of God. So often our souls pant for the things below rather than pant for the God who is the overflowing fountain of all true good. The catechism gives us here a clear perspective of what prayer is. It's the chief part of thankfulness in which we extol God and pant after Him and seek to drink from the overflowing fountain of all good. That's how we must see prayer. So easy, so easy to be afflicted with that spiritual malady that is so common in the church of today and likely common in the church of all ages. Unthankfulness preoccupation with earthly things such that our joy gets dried up. We don't feel the urgency and the need and the necessity to pray. Worship becomes hollow, outward, formal. Spiritual life feels stifled. That's what happens when our eyes and our hearts are glued to the ground rather than standing on the mountain peak Beholding what God has done by faith and pouring out the soul. Prayer is the overflow of the believing heart. The thankful heart. So we need to ponder. We need to ponder why we're thankful. What reasons we have to be thankful. And if we don't feel thankful... We need to dive into the gospel and immerse ourselves in the word of God to be reacquainted with the reasons we have to be grateful. We could spend hours enumerating them, but let's not. Let's go straight to the main reason. The ultimate reason. Christ. You were a slave in the house of bondage, beloved. I was a slave dead in trespasses and sins, destined for eternal perdition, and God Delivered us from the house of bondage. 
Through the death of His only begotten Son. Through the resurrection of Christ by which He swallowed up our grave in victory and broke the power of death over us. In Christ, we have all good. What are the things here below compared to that? We see Christ, what He's done. The believing heart can't contain It becomes a fountain that must overflow with streams of thanksgiving. And those streams of thanksgiving redound back to God for His glory through prayer. Through prayer. That's why prayer is necessary. It's the chief part of thankfulness. It's the beating heart of the Christian life. It's the most joyous activity a child of God can be engaged in. Faith talking to Father. We see the theological necessity, don't we? We can grasp it with our minds. But do we feel, feel the necessity in our hearts such that we must say, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. May the Spirit so work by His Word in me and in you this morning that we feel the necessity. Feel it in the heart. Not only know it with the mind. But now we come to the Catechism's second specific reason why prayer is necessary. It's God's will for His children. And God's will for His children is for our spiritual good. Prayer is necessary for the believer. Because as the Catechism goes on to say now, the second part of answer 116, and also because God will give His grace and Holy Spirit to those only who with sincere desires continually ask them of Him and are thankful for them. Here we come back to a point we've touched on already. God wants His children to pray. God is a Father who wants to hear from His children. God has a relationship with the people that He saves in Jesus Christ. And that relationship is different than the Creator-creature relationship that God has with the tree or with the rock. God provides for the tree and the rock. But the tree and the rock are not conscious of it. God works differently with His children. That's His will. He works in such a way that we're consciously dependent upon Him. He works in such a way that faith talks. He works in such a way that we look to Him consciously to receive from Him the things that we need. And that's what this second part of answer 116 is getting at. God deals with us as a father deals with His children. And so, God will give His grace and Holy Spirit to those only who pray. Maybe that statement raises eyebrows. It doesn't need to. We need not be frightened by it. Because it's biblical. We need to clearly understand what the catechism is saying here. So that we avoid mistakes on both sides. 
On the one side, there's the mistake of interpreting the statement as teaching some sort of condition. That prayer is a condition we must fulfill for God to give us something. And that's false doctrine. We reject that wholeheartedly. And yet, on the other side, we must avoid the error of explaining the language of the catechism away and not doing it justice. For Sinus and Olivianus, the theological luminaries who are the authors of the catechism, we don't have a lapse of clarity here. They chose these words intentionally because they're summarizing the Bible. They're summarizing what Jesus taught in Luke 11. And so, we must avoid any thought of conditions, but we must also not view this language as language that has to be qualified away into oblivion. Let's get at what it really means. What exactly is the catechism teaching here? It's teaching this. The way God has ordained to strengthen his people is prayer. God gives his grace and Holy Spirit to those only who ask. Let's first make sure we understand what the catechism means here by grace. The catechism isn't talking here about the first infusion of grace. The Spirit's work of regeneration giving us new life. Making us alive and kindling our faith. Raising us from spiritual death unto spiritual life. You can't pray for that. A spiritually dead man can't pray. The only person who can pray is one in whom the Holy Spirit already dwells and works. And so we must see that when the Catechism talks about God's grace and His Holy Spirit, it's talking about the continual flowing of God's strengthening grace to us throughout our Christian lives. It's talking about the continued operation of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, applying that grace to us. We don't pray to be saved. We don't get saved because we pray. We pray because we have been saved. So the grace here is that continued supply of grace for the Christian life that strengthens us. The grace that builds up our faith as God works that grace in our hearts by His Word and Spirit. God gives that continual flow of grace to His children unconditionally. He gives it to His children freely. But now what the catechism is teaching us here is that God is pleased to give that grace to His children who ask for it. When the catechism says that, it's not saying there's a condition. There's absolutely no conditions in our relationship with God. It's not that grace depends on our asking. It's not that God has to wait on man's praying before he can give grace. It's not that God really wants to give grace, but his hands are tied, and until man prays, God's in handcuffs. Absolutely not. The teaching of the Catechism is this. God is Father. And God is pleased. This is God's will. God's will is to continue To supply us His grace and Holy Spirit as we ask for it. That's what pleases Him. He wants to hear from His children. God's purpose is that we sense our need. And He works that in us. 
This is how it goes. God works in us a sense of our need so that faith cries out to God in that need. Faith looks away from self and looks unto God. And God, in answer to that prayer, grants His grace to His child. Not because of the prayer. Not because there was a condition that was fulfilled. But because this is the way God has chosen to work. It's not conditional. It's relational. God deals with us in a different way than He deals with the tree. God just causes the sun to shine on the tree and gives the tree what, it's need, what it needs. The tree can't ask. It's a tree. You're not a tree. You're not a rock. You're a child of God. And Father wants you to ask to come to Him in faith and seek from Him that which you have need of. Not because God needs us to ask. Not because God needs our prayers. But because God wants it this way. This arises out of the very nature of the covenant. It's relational. Relational. And that's warm. That's beautiful. God says to us, My children, ask for the grace you need. Ask daily. Ask continually. And I will give you your heart's desire. Not because you're worthy. Not because you've done something for me. Not because you've fulfilled a condition. But because I'm gracious in Jesus Christ. This is the teaching of the Bible. Luke 11. Let's look there again and see that this is the teaching of the Bible. Luke 11 verses 9 and 10. Jesus says, And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Jesus says, Go to Father, and Father will answer. Verse 10, For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. That's a beautiful promise of God. In our covenant relationship with God as our Father, this is His word to us. My children, when you come to me, I will hear you. I will answer you. I will give you what you ask, what you need. We understand that doesn't mean we can go to God and ask Him for anything we want. God is a wise Father. And sometimes the wisest thing God can do is say no. Because He knows far better than you or me what we need. It is all subject to His will. But the teaching, the promise of the Scriptures here is, Father will never fail us. He will give us what we need. Go to Him. Go to Him in prayer. This is His good pleasure. Verse 13 of the same chapter. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? So we see, prayer is necessary. Why? Because it's God's will for His children. God says to us, My children, ask, and I will give you freely of My grace. I will strengthen you. I will sustain you. Pray to Me. Talk to Me, My child. A couple concluding applications. 
As we have seen the necessity of prayer on account of it being the chief part of thankfulness, let us also see the necessity of prayer for our spiritual well-being. You can't live without it. Prayer is the breath of spiritual life. And so there's a warning here for us as God's children. Not to withdraw ourselves from God. That's what prayerlessness is. It's withdrawing ourselves from our Heavenly Father. Can you have a flourishing family life if you never talk to each other? It's becoming more of a problem these days when we're glued to our phones and not conversing with each other. And those devices alienate each other. We don't talk as much. You can't have a flourishing close relationship if you're not talking. If faith isn't talking to Father, our spiritual life is going to become dried up. That's the consequence. And Father chastens us for our prayerlessness. And that chastening brings a dried up spiritual life, feeling distant from God. We understand that prayer isn't the thing that makes us strong. God makes us strong. But God calls us to pray. And prayerlessness is detrimental to our spiritual lives. I'm not talking here about the struggle we all have with prayer. We all struggle. We're all weak. And we have a merciful God and a merciful Father and a merciful Savior who is slow to anger with us, gentle with us in our weakness. But I'm talking about the ongoing negligence of prayer. Not wanting to pray because it's not interesting, it's not fun, we don't have time, all of the rest. And when there's a pattern of prayerlessness in our lives, the chastening for that will be a spiritual life that's dried up. Faith needs to talk. We need to walk with Father. It's for our spiritual health. But now positively the encouragement, the encouragement where we end. Pray, pray confidently in Jesus' name. Daily, sincerely, ask, seek, knock at Father's door. He will open. He will give what you need. Let the promise of Christ fix itself in your heart. He will give His grace and Holy Spirit. Isn't that comforting? Our God is far better than the friend here in Luke 11. Who doesn't want to get up in the middle of the night. Because it's inconvenient. It'll wake up his family. He doesn't want to get up and give his other friend who's in need. God's not like that. God will always hear. Always answer. Always give. Whenever you come to him. Day or night. Even in the midnight of the last days. Call upon him. Trust him. So let us enter into... Another year's study of the Lord's Prayer with the disciples' petition upon our lips. Lord, teach us to pray. Even with this promise of Christ in our hearts, knowing that He will answer and give. Amen. Our faithful God and Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for the gift of prayer. We thank Thee for the instruction and the necessity of prayer. Make us a praying people. That we might bring our needs, our supplications, and our thanksgiving to Thee always, daily, continually. May we drink deeply from Thee, the overflowing fountain of all good. Hear us in mercy, for Jesus' sake. Amen.